Lord Jesus Christ loves you this morning. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Uh, he loves you, and we praise God for that. Take your Bible this morning, please. Turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 this morning. Uh, if you're new to our church today, we tend to preach and teach all the way through books of the Bible, uh, basically verse by verse. We're trying not to miss anything as we go. Uh, we believe all the Bible are, are God's words. The individual words are given by him, and uh, they have great power. He's given them because we need them. Amen? Uh, have you found this morning, church, quick question for you, have you found anything spiritually that you need that God has left out of his word? Have you found anything missing from the Bible? You haven't, right? You, you haven't. Uh, his, his word is sufficient uh, to meet all of our spiritual needs, all of our emotional needs. We praise God for that. What's the greatest spiritual need that you've ever known in your life, church? It's salvation, right? It's for forgiveness of sin. We understand this morning that uh, Lord has revealed the way of forgiveness. It's, it's simple, humble faith in Christ, uh, simple, humble repentance, turning from sin to Christ and placing your faith in him. Uh, a simple, humble faith placed upon Christ and what he accomplished on the cross uh, procures for us forgiveness of sin. Uh, that's important, uh, but we understand this morning, Lord didn't, uh, God the Father didn't send his only begotten son to the cross just so that we could miss out on hell. There, there is that, right? If you know Christ this morning, uh, you'll not spend a moment in hell, but uh, it's more than that, isn't it? It's bigger than that. When you come to Christ in faith, you come into a wonderful relationship, a close pers personal relationship with the Lord. And you have a new life in Christ. Is that true? That is true. It's a wonderful truth. This morning, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Uh, let's back up half a step and just consider where we were last week. If you weren't able to be here last week, we'll, we'll kind of catch you up. Uh, last week, uh, in the second half of chapter 2, uh, we saw James dealing with the importance of works. Of, of righteous works, of obeying the Lord and, and serving him, uh, having obedience and service to God in your life. And uh, James makes it abundantly clear. And if you, if you missed last week or, or, or you, you make, make sure that you go back and, and read chapter two, please. James makes it abundantly clear that if you know Christ as your savior, if there's been a time that you understood you're a sinner and that God the Father sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die and pay the price for your sins and uh, you understood the only way you could benefit from that sacrifice upon that cross is to place your faith uh, in him. If you've made that decision, James says that if you've genuinely done that, there's going to be a change in your life. And one of the changes uh, will be good works. You, you will, as you grow begin to serve the Lord. As you yield to him and grow, uh, there'll be a growing obedience to God in your life. It's not something that you can do yourself, but as you yield to God, there's a growing obedience and a growing desire uh, to serve the Lord with good works as he leads and, and a growing ability to do that as you look to God for strength and, and grace to do that. He says, if you're genuinely saved, there really will be works in your life that evidence your salvation. Doing good works is not the way that you earn forgiveness, but it will be an evidence that you've turned to Christ and place your faith in him and him alone uh, for forgiveness of sin. Now, it's in that context that we come to uh, chapter three, uh, where James begins to deal with this little thing called the tongue, uh, the tongue. And, uh, I want to I just stop for a moment and ask you this. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you to consider this morning, have you ever had any difficulty controlling your tongue? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> the hands are, hands are going up. Uh, amen. Uh, I have. No doubt you have. Uh, we've all struggled at times, and, and maybe a lot of the time, uh, to control our tongues. Uh, James has uh, much to say about that. Uh, and thankfully this morning in, in God's word, we, we find an answer to that. Aren't you glad this morning again that God's word is so practical? 
Uh, James is enormously practical. We know that we have a problem. Uh, The problem is our ability to control our tongues or our inability to control our tongues. Let me ask you another question that I I think I know the answer to. Uh, Has your inability to control your tongue ever caused you any trouble? Church, ever get you in trouble? Never gets you into a whole lot of trouble. Amen? Yeah, so it's not, just a, it's not just a little thing that we know, oh yeah, that's a thing. Uh, it's a little thing, the tongue is a little thing that has great potential to cause great difficulties uh, in our families, uh, with our spouses, maybe in the workplace. Dare I say, even in churches, uh, where the tongue is not under control, there can be an awful lot of trouble. Uh, aren't you glad this morning? And, and you know, if, if you've been in church, if you've been a, a Christian for very long, if you've spent much time in the Bible, you know that God has an answer for this. Uh, he has an answer. I want to share some verses with you, and then we're going to jump back in here uh, to James uh, 1. Uh, uh, James 3, forgive me. Uh, I'm saying 1 because I'm thinking back in James 1 and verse 19. Turn there just quickly, if you would. I'm going to share some verses with you, but, but go and look there, please. James 1 and verse 19. We saw, um, I guess two or three weeks back, Uh, James writes, wherefore, James 1, verse 19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, uh, what a wonderful heart for saved people, my beloved brethren, let every man be, say it with me, please, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Lord, help us again this morning. Give us hearts to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Uh, James has introduced this problem that we have with the tongue back in chapter one and he kind of picks that up as the Lord has led him to and builds on that foundation uh, here in this chapter. Look at verse 26, uh, James 1 verse 26. He said there, writing under inspiration, God's words, he said, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth or controlleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Uh, it's, it's vain. Listen, James goes on from there and, and, and constructs this, this doctrine, builds this doctrine, it reveals doctrine from the Lord that if you've been saved, there'll be a change. Uh, there'll be fewer bad works and more good works, less disobedience uh, to the Lord and more obedience to the Lord. God enables that. But one of the areas where we see this is in our mouths and in our ears as we hear what comes out of each other's mouths. It's not that our tongues are miraculously perfected the moment we come to Christ. Uh, No, growing up in the Lord takes time. But as we yield to the Lord uh, control, uh, including control of our tongues, there is a difference. Our tongues are bridled not by us, but by the Lord as we yield control of our tongues to him. This, this, of course, is the answer to the problem that we have, learning to yield control of our lives, including our tongues, to him. Uh, to him. Uh, Proverbs 10 and verse 19 says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Lord, give us hearts to refrain our lips. Lord, give us hearts to look to you for the grace, the strength, as we yield to you to refrain our lips. I understand this morning that, Brother Art, God has saved me for a purpose, right? He didn't just save me so that I could avoid hell. He did that, but he saved me for his purposes, uh, for his use, so that uh, I, so that we uh, could be available to love him, to enjoy him, but to serve him also. And understand that as someone who's come to Christ, uh, the Lord is sanctifying my life. He's setting me apart from sin, all of me, so that more of me, uh, more and more of me over time is available to him uh, for his service. By the way, is it a privilege to serve the Lord? 
Is it a privilege to serve the Lord? Maybe you've had the privilege to work in, in secular work for some well-known person. Uh, I have, that, that's a privilege in a sense, uh, but nothing like the privilege of serving the Lord. There's no greater privilege than serving the Lord God, creator of all things. Uh, he saved us to serve him. We're not saved by serving him, but he saved us to serve him. We have this wonderful purpose. And he sanctifies us. He sets us apart from sin so that we're increasingly more available uh, and able to serve him. That includes our tongues. He works in our lives to sanctify our tongues. Uh, sorry, Psalms 34 and verse 13. The Bible says, keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. Um, the Lord says in Psalm 37 and verse 30, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom. In Psalm 72 and, nope, 77 and verse 12, the psalmist says he's praying, I will meditate also of, of or on all thy work, Lord, and talk of thy doings. We understand this morning the Lord's called us to serve him by talking about him, by sharing his words, by sharing the way that we can have a relationship with him uh, in and through faith in Christ. He's, he's called us to use our tongues uh, to serve him. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 13, the psalmist says, my, with my lips I have declared all the judgments uh, of, of thy mouth. Uh, of thy mouth. First uh, Peter 4.11, the Bible says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so we understand this morning, we, we have a problem. We naturally have difficulty with our tongues. The answer is Christ in yielding control to him uh, that the Holy Spirit gain control of our tongues, of our mouths, that our mouths might be redeployed from wicked things to uh, righteous service, speaking the things of God, encouraging each other with the words of God, sharing the gospel so that people can uh, enter into a relationship with him. We know that the Lord has called us to use our tongues to teach Bible truth to one another as well as to lost people who don't yet know Christ. That's the Great Commission. The last part of that is the Great Commission, uh, our great and wonderful purpose. Now, with that said, with that said, let me say it again. We're, we're called to teach the words of God to each other uh, and to people who don't yet know Christ so that they can know him and uh, know forgiveness of sin and, and, and know all of God's great purposes for their lives. With that said, uh, here in James, the beginning of James, the Lord calls us to be very careful, uh, to be very careful in that. Look with me here in, in James 3, verse 1. So are, are you there? Are you, are you, I know I told you to ask you to go there a while back. Uh, James 3, verse 1. Uh, there's a warning here. There's a warning. There is a call, Brother Ray, upon our lives to encourage, to use our tongues to share the words of God. But there's a warning here about uh, just that. So I want to kind of put this into context here. James 3 and verse 1 says this. James says, my brethren, he's talking to saved people, people who've put their faith in Christ. He says, be not many masters. Don't everyone be a, a public teacher. Don't, don't just assume that even though you're called, everyone's called to share God's words, don't just assume that you're called necessarily uh, to be a public teacher, to be a preacher uh, or, or a public teacher. He says, be not many masters. Uh, be careful uh, about this, knowing that we shall receive uh, the greater condemnation. That word condemnation is, is translated judgment uh, a number of other places. And so uh, it seems to me this morning that James uh, is addressing really, really head on uh, a sinful, prideful inclination that God knows that at least some of us, perhaps many of us, 
uh, are going to struggle with. And, and that inclination would be to try to sort of set ourselves into the role of public teacher uh, or preacher of God's words, to want to be uh, in a place of visibility, to be uh, in a place that kind of feeds my pride and makes me feel uh, special. Is everybody called to be able and willing to share the God, words of God with each other? Yes. Is everybody called to share the gospel with whomever will listen? Yes. That's the Great Commission. We know uh, that is true. Is everybody in the church called to be a public teacher, to come into the, the public place, to kind of come into the pulpit uh, and to be a teacher and, and preacher of God's word? Is everyone called by God uh, to this place, for example? No, that, right, we, we understand that. And, and so James uh, is, is, is cautioning people to be very careful uh, about sort of pushing yourself into uh, that position. He, he, he says, listen, uh, everyone's called to use their mouths for godly purposes, but not everyone uh, is called into this place or, or into a classroom, uh, in, into a visible public uh, place of, of, of teaching within the church. Uh, and he says, you know what, you, you, you need to keep this in mind because, well, there's a couple of things that the Lord would have us to keep in mind. The first thing that you see here at the end of verse one, the first reason why we ought to take great care, I think we have already said the first thing, and James doesn't say this, but I think we know. God doesn't call everyone. He's not gift. He's not given everyone the spiritual gift of, uh, of, of teaching or, or prophecy, which is probably primarily about preaching. God has not given that spiritual gift to everyone and therefore hasn't called everyone into that place. So uh, we know that. But we also know what James says here at the end of verse 1 is this. He says, listen, if you are in a position... Uh, if, if you have the role of public teacher, preacher uh, of God's words as a saved, baptized member of your church, you need to understand God is going to hold you to a very high standard in that place. Am I making that up or is that what he says? He says, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Again, that word condemnation has the idea of judgment. The underlying word is, is translated judgment uh, some other places. So I want you to make a couple notes this morning. Number one, uh, there's a warning. Be careful about pushing yourself into a public teaching or preaching role. Get, get that down. There's a warning here. Uh, take great care. Some people are gifted and called by God to that place. And, and boy, if that's the case, you need to be faithful to do it. If God's gifted you uh, and called you to that place, you need to be in that place trusting God to enable you and to use you and to bless you for your obedience to him. But if that's not the case, be very, very careful. Whether or not that's the case, understand that as you stand in the place of a teacher or preacher, uh, you, you need to bear in mind that the Lord holds us uh, to a higher standard as a teacher uh, or preacher of God's word. Uh, by the way, believers, are we all going to stand before the Lord in judgment? That's uh, condemnation, again, is the, is the idea of judgment. Will, is there a time coming where believers are going to stand before the Lord and be judged? Church? There is. Don't, don't forget, please. Uh, there's the judgment seat of Christ. It's different than the great white throne judgment where the lost will be judged for their sin. But the Bible plainly teaches that believers, and this is something we need to be probably preaching about and reminding ourselves of more often, the Bible plainly teaches that believers are going to stand before Christ, not be judged for our sin. It's already forgiven, right? Amen. It's already under the blood of Christ if you've been saved. Uh, but we'll be judged for our service, our service, our obedience to employ the spiritual gift that God gave you when you were saved in and through the, the ministries of the church that you were baptized into. Don't forget that that's everyone. Uh, that's everyone. We see this in 1 Corinthians 3 and in uh, and, and other places. And for time's sake, we won't go uh, and look at those passages this morning. But 
uh, don't forget this great truth. We're going to stand before the Lord uh, and be judged for our service. Uh, teachers of God's words, preachers of God's word, pretty plainly are going to be held to a higher standard at that time. That ought to give us caution. That ought to give us caution about forcing ourselves, pushing ourselves into that place uh, if it's not necessarily the thing that God has gifted me to do uh, and called me to do. That ought to, that ought to give me pause. That, that ought to give me uh, caution. Uh, James says, especially when you consider, boy, we are all sinners. We are all sinners. Look at verse 2. Uh, this is the second reason to be very cautious. We're all sinners. You're going to be held to a high standard, uh, a higher standard. Uh, and, and, and this is especially problematic because we are all sinners. Now, we'll not be judged for our sin, but our sin, let me ask you this question. Can your sin affect your service? Church, can sin in your life affect your service? It can affect your walk with the Lord. We don't believe for a moment you can lose your salvation. Bible plainly teaches if you've placed your faith in Christ, you're forgiven and you have eternal life. That's a forever thing. It's sealed by the Spirit of God. It cannot be lost. That uh, We understand that from, from plainly from Scripture. But it's nonetheless, sin in my life has consequences. That's been a theme for us recently. Uh, it affects my walk with God, and it affects my service to God. Uh, the believer, uh, we, again, won't go there today, but uh, you, you can, if, if you don't deal with sin in your life as a believer, you can get to a point where you're no longer of any practical use to the Lord. You know there's verses that talk about Lord possibly calling you home for that, a sin unto death. Uh, you know there's verses in Scripture that teach about the possibility the Lord will set you aside or kind of set you on the shelf, no longer able to use you uh, because of sin in, in your life. Not that you've lost your salvation, but that you've become unusable to the Lord because uh, of your sin. That's a horrifying possibility. That ought to cause us to, to shudder. God, help me to bear in mind that you've saved me uh, to serve you. You've saved me to know you, yes, and to enjoy you and uh, to fellowship with you, but, but absolutely to serve you. And uh, Lord, I know there'll be rewards in eternity for that, and my rewards I'll appreciate, but those rewards are, are more about giving you honor and glory throughout eternity. So I've got all kinds of motivation to want to serve the Lord uh, for the eternal uh, blessing that, that, that comes from that and, and through that. And so, boy, if, if, if I not be serious about sin in my life as a believer, especially when I understand how that can affect my service and maybe even make me unusable, Boy, I need to get a hold of that possibility. Lord, help us to stand guard against sin in our lives. Lord, help me if I'm convicted of sin as a believer to confess that, uh, to bring that to you. Uh, Lord, to, to ask you for grace and strength to put that off and, and to put on obedience in its place that you might bless me, that my life might bless you, that there might be those rewards, that my service not be affected. Um, those who are called to teach to preach the words of God are going to be held to a higher standard at the judgment seat of Christ. Um, the fact of, of sin, the fact that we all sin and that sin can affect our service should give us great pause, caution about nudging ourselves, forcing ourselves pridefully into a place where I believe I should be teaching or preaching. Some are gifted by the Spirit of God and called by the Spirit of God to this place, and others are not. If you're not, it's okay. God has some other place for you to serve him. Amen? Uh, not everyone, Brother Ray, can be the quarterback. Not everyone can be the running back. Not everyone can serve uh, in a certain, a, a team requires people who have various abilities, gifts from the Lord, each in their place, each performing their role. 
uh, as in an orchestra. If everyone's playing the same instrument or the same part, there's not much being accomplished. But when everyone is in her seat with the right instrument, utilizing their gift, uh, all playing from the same score, the words of God, much uh, is accomplished, and it is the same in churches. Um, James says in, in verse 2, for in many things uh, we offend all. Uh, we are professional sinners. <laughs> uh, is that a truth? We're, we're, just, we're, we're just great at it. And anyone here not good at sinning? Anybody here? I mean, we, we're just, we don't struggle to sin, do we? We're really good at it. The Lord says, hey, listen, as, as people who are going to be held to a higher standard, you need to keep this in, in mind. Um, given the fact that we're all sinners, uh, teachers, teachers who are teaching the truth and exhorting people to truth, is there a, is there a risk, is there a risk um, in our lives? What, what's one of the greatest risks that a, that a preacher faces as he's teaching and preaching the word of God? Is, is your pastor a sinful man? I mean, listen, I, there, there's a righteousness in my life that is of Christ, but we're all sinners saved by grace, right? Nobody has been perfected just yet. Uh, there's sin in my life. There's sin in, in our lives. Lord, Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, help us. As a... As a a man who is a sinner saved by grace, but called to teach and preach the words of God. Well, it, it, there's a practical risk every time I step into the pulpit, right? What, it's hypocrisy, right? That, and, and that'd be true for any teacher or preacher. You know, you, you stand in the pulpit, you stand in a place where you teach, and, and you teach truth, and you exhort to obedience to God, uh, but we recognize, hey, there's, there's still sin in our lives. And so there's a, there's a great risk of, of there being a, a hypocrisy uh, in our lives that can uh, discourage others. Oh, how can he teach that or preach that? Doesn't he know that there's sin in his life also? Your pastor knows that there's sin in his life also. Amen. Uh, what, what do you do about it? You pray. You try to keep short accounts with the Lord. Uh, if you're called to teach or preach, you try to remember, hey, uh, yep, sure, sure enough, for in many things we, we all offend. Sure enough, I'm going to be held to a higher standard. Sure enough, there's great risk of hypocrisy in my life if I don't uh, prayerfully stand guard against sin in my life. If I don't prayerfully uh, keep short accounts with the Lord. Uh, if I don't seek the prayer of others for me to lead a life of, of submission and yieldedness to the Lord, Brother Ray, that results in the Holy Spirit sanctifying my life, there's real concerns. There's the practical concern of hypocrisy and the consequence of that uh, in churches uh, or in our outreach. And then there's the issues that one will face potentially uh, at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, may I ask you to redouble your prayer for your pastor? Church? Church, will you, will you just keep your pastor on your prayer list? I'm not confessing any particular heinous thing today. There's, there's nothing like that, but um, uh, any little sin is, is heinous in God's eyes. Uh, you pray for your pastor, please. You pray for each other, but, but I, I promise you, I need your prayers. You pray that I keep short accounts with the Lord and stay yielded to him and that there not be hypocrisy uh, in my life. And if you become aware of things in my life or I've offended you in some way, you come and talk to me, please. That's, that's critically, uh, critically important. You, you pray for your pastor. You pray for others who have the opportunity and call to teach and, and preach. Uh, if you are called and gifted by God to teach or preach, you need to do that. But with caution and with prayer uh, and with seeking prayer uh, of others. Now, James goes on here and continues. Uh, he continues to deal with the tongue. And I'm going to try to go a little bit faster here now uh, through, through the rest of the message. Uh, number two this morning, the, the big idea that he begins to develop is that the ability to control our tongue is a mark of spiritual maturity. Look at the next part of verse two. He says, if any man offend not in word, the same as a what? What are the next two words? 
a perfect man. And you understand perfect means uh, mature, complete, whole. Uh, the way it's used in, in the Bible is not literal, perfe sinless perfection, but uh, it, it points to spiritual maturity. It has the idea of completeness or, or maturity, completeness of growth unto uh, maturity. And so James says, listen, if any man offend not in the word, the same, the same is uh, perfect. He, he's a mature uh, man. Um, He's, he, it, it's a mark of, of spiritual maturity. So if we've not learned to control our, our tongues uh, and we, we go around offending each other pretty regularly with our tongues, that would mark us as spiritually what, church? What is it? Immature, right? And, and you know what? If, if that's the case, just own it. Lord, Lord if, uh, if, if my mouth is such that I'm offending people constantly, uh, there, there's just unrighteousness upon unrighteous coming out of my mouth. I'm, I'm lying to people. I'm, I'm putting people down. I'm gossiping behind their back. All sin. God, if, if, if that's what my mouth is, is characterized by, help me to understand that. This morning. Help, help me to own that, to be honest with myself about that. Lord, to be honest with you about that, to confess that before you. Lord, to yield myself to you that I might find a strength in you to put off that junk uh, and to put on a wonderful obedience uh, in its place. Uh, this perfect man is one who has matured uh, in his walk with the Lord. How do you mature in your walk with the Lord? It's the Lord who does that for us. We, uh, we've been majoring on that as a theme in our church recently also. Uh, babies don't grow up on their own with the help of someone else. And believers don't grow up spiritually on our own without the help of someone else. For us, it's the help of the Spirit of God as we yield to uh, the Holy Spirit. Make a note, please. Uh, make a note um, regarding the, the Lord's responsibility for maturing us as we yield to him. Make a note, Hebrews 13, 20. Just make a note, uh, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. I want to read that to you. The Bible says, Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the same great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect make you perfect in every good work to do his will. It's the Lord who accomplishes our growth. Yes, we need to do our part. We need to be in church. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people who spend time in his words, but we need to be people who yield ourselves to the Lord and uh, ask him to accomplish this growth in our lives. Uh, 1 Peter 5 and verse 10 is a good cross-reference. Write that down, please. 1 Peter 5, 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. I understand he uses trials to grow us. We've looked at that recently uh, in this book. But it's the Lord. It's the Lord who grows us unto spiritual maturity ultimately, ultimately to that uh, total uh, perfect maturity when we're home with him. Uh, it's he, uh, it's he who accomplishes that. Lord, help us to bear that in mind. I'll not accomplish that apart from you. I'll not learn to control my tongue apart from you. I've tried and I've failed. I've tried and I've failed. I've tried and I've failed. Lord, help me to get a hold of this idea that the uh, only way I'm going to get control of my tongue is by yielding control of my tongue to you. And then you can know his control of our tongue. Look at the next um, part of verse 2, please. Uh, James says that um, control of the tongue, the uh, Lord associates that with control of our whole bodies. It's very interesting. Um, the Lord associates the control of the tongue with control of the whole body. Now see this, and let's talk about this for just a moment. He, he says, next part, next part of verse 2, able to bridle the whole body. So if any man defend not in word, the same is perfect, mature, and able also, verse 2, to bridle or control the whole body. So the Lord associates his control of our tongue with the ability to control your whole body. Very interesting. By the way, does that matter? 
Does that matter? Does it matter that we have our whole self under control? Do you ever cause some harm, not with your tongue, but with some other part of your body? Do you ever want to punch somebody? I'm not going to ask you if you did. Um, yeah. Look at verse 3. James here, use, he uses two illustrations of how something little can control something big. He wants us to understand that, hey, if you, if you don't get your tongue right, your whole body is going to be moving in the wrong direction. Uh, but if you get your tongue right by yielding it to God, you can get everything right as you yield to the Lord. Two illustrations. The first, uh, a horse being controlled by the bit they put in the horse's mouth to steer the horse. He says, behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. Uh, and we turn about their whole body. One little thing in the mouth controls the whole body. Is that the horse using the bit to control the whole horse? It's not, is it? The horse doesn't use the bit to control the whole horse. It's someone else. Bear that in mind for one second, please. The second illustration uh, is of a ship, uh, a great ship, being controlled uh, by a little helm. See verse 4. Behold also the ships which though they be so great, big, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor or the captain listeth or steereth. Uh, does the helm control the ship all by itself, or is there someone else controlling the helm which controls the whole ship? Is it is it the latter church? It's someone else, right? And so there's these wonderful illustrations here uh, of the truth that God is trying to give us through James. Uh, if, you get your, if you can yield control of a little bit of you to the Lord, uh, you, you can learn to yield a whole, your, the total you. you. You can learn to yield all of yourself to the Lord. You yield this to the Lord. That'll be a good step toward yielding your whole self, your whole life to the Lord in allowing him to have control uh, in our lives. This is the secret. Uh, this is the spiritual way to overcome the problems that we all know with our tongues, with our mouths, uh, and with other challenges we face of self-control uh, in our lives. Uh, quickly, I want you to see here the consequence of, of not yielding control of our tongues to the Lord. Uh, the consequences. Uh, verse 5, even so, the tongue is a little member. It's a little part of our body uh, and boasts us great things. Uh, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Uh, did you ever see a little tiny fire grow into a real big fire very quickly? You ever seen that happen? Uh, houses, when they burn, they don't, they don't just all catch uh, in flame all at once. There'll be a little fire in a little corner of one room uh, before the whole thing can burn. This is, uh, the, the tongue is, it, it is like that. If you don't get the tongue under control, it's like a little fire that can take control and cause great trouble, uh, great harm, great injury uh, in your entire life. Verse 6, he says, the tongue uh, is a fire. Uh, a world of iniquity, sin, or unrighteousness. Uh, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. Remember, Jesus said, it's not that which goeth into the mouth that defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Uh, what we say, what we say is defiling. He says, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. See the last phrase of verse 6, please. Please, please look at that with me. Setteth on fire the course of, of, of nature and, verse 6, it is set on fire of, what's the last word? Hell. Are we in a real spiritual battle? We are in a real spiritual battle. Uh, you understand that this morning. We are in a real spiritual battle with a real spiritual enemy. We don't say that just because we think that's the case. We say that because... Lord has revealed that to us in his words. And of course, there's a variety of passages in the New Testament that teach about the spiritual battle that we're in with a very real uh, spiritual enemy. I've been reading on this topic this week, and uh, 
You can just make a note if you want to do some reading this afternoon. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 11. Peter teaches there about spiritual battle. We'll not go there. We don't have time uh, to spend there this morning. But he teaches um, the way of spiritual battle. Now, is it a truth this morning? Does the Bible teach that if you resist the devil, that he will flee? Does the Bible say that? Go like this. It does. The Bible says we can resist uh, the devil and his influence in our lives. And eventually, Brother Art, he says, I get it. There's no victory to be had there. So he flees away to pick on somebody else, right? That's, that's the idea. Uh, that's the idea. Um, 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, that great passage that deals with spiritual battle begins with, with these words. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And then he goes on to talk about spiritual battle. So one man writes, spiritual battle doesn't begin with fighting the devil. It begins with submitting to God. Did you get that? Spiritual battle doesn't begin with fighting the devil. It begins with submitting to God. What a wonderful truth. Um, if I will submit to God control of my mouth, he gained control of my whole person. Like the bit in the horse's mouth controlled by the rider. If I can submit to the Lord control of my mouth, like the captain of the ship in the helm, he controlled my whole life. By the way, would that be a good thing? If God had control of my life, would that be a good thing? Have you noticed that apart from that, we're just really good at messing up our lives? Have you noticed that apart from that, we're just really good at with doing all kinds of damage with our tongues? Paul prayed, against his enemies who bend their bows and shoot their arrows, even bitter words. He prayed against his enemies that shoot out words like arrows. Brother, I know I'm guilty at times of shooting out words like arrows, hopefully not from the pulpit, but you know, in our personal lives, we can find ourselves in a bad place. We get angry and say things with the intent to hurt. Lord, forgive us. Apart from yielding control of our tongues and our lives to the Lord, we mess things up pretty badly. Amen? God has an answer to that problem. It's simple, humble yieldedness to him. Lord, here I am. Take me. Take control of my tongue. I give you control of the bit that steers my, my body. I give you control of the helm that steers my course. Lord, I, I can, you know, you, you may say this morning, I don't know if I can just yield my whole self to God. Okay, yield the tongue to him. Yield this little part to him. He'll take control and begin to steer us to where we should be. Is that a truth? That's a truth. Verse 7 says this, we're almost done. Every kind of beasts and of birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. We're good at taming all kinds of creatures. But the tongue, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You and I know that's true. We know that's true. We are unable to control this little thing apart from yielding control of it to the Lord. And Brother Art, if I can't control this little thing by myself, how in the world am I going to control this big thing? I can't. But I can yield my tongue to him with help, with grace, with strength from him and allow him to begin controlling my tongue my mouth, my words, and my life. Um, is God's character different than our sin nature? Church, we tend to hate, he is always loving. We tend to prideful anger, he tends to 
righteous indignation, righteous wrath, but love. We tend to frustration, he tends to patience. If I could yield this frustrated tongue to the Lord, you know what? There might just be some patient words that come out. Amen? Lord, help us. In Ephesians 4, James calls us to put off concerning the former conversation or behavior of the old man. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Lord commands there, wherefore put away lying, an example of evil speech. Speak every man truth, an example of righteous speech with his neighbor. For we are members, we are members one of another. Lord help us. Let's stop there and pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you. Lord, this morning for your answer to our problem with our tongues. Lord, we understand this morning our natural inclination is to speak things that are unrighteous. Lord, unworthy of our calling in Christ. Father, we understand this morning that we are naturally inclined to say things that are frustrated and angry, impatient, unloving. And Lord, great harm is accomplished because of that. Lord, I understand this morning that no man can tame the tongue, but you can. Father, I pray this morning that you give us hearts to simply confess that our efforts to control our tongues, to control our lives, fail apart from yielding ourselves to you. And Lord, I pray this morning that we'd simply turn to you and say, Father, I desire this morning to yield my tongue to you. Lord, I pray this morning that you give me grace, strength from you to yield my tongue to you. And Lord, as I do, would you please take control that my tongue would be characterized less by the sinful things of my sin nature and more by your character, your attributes, your love, your mercy, your patience, your kindness, your goodness. Father, I trust you for that this morning. Lord, I pray this morning as we yield our tongues that you would take control of more than that for your honor and for your glory. Father, I pray as we do that, that our walk with you would be more pleasing to you. Lord, that our relationships with one another would be holier, more righteous and loving, better for us and more pleasing to you, that they bring you honor and glory. Lord, I pray this morning that when people look upon us and hear us, they'd hear a difference and wonder about that difference and ask, why are you so different? How is it that you're so different? And that that would open a door to share the gospel, to share our Savior. Lord, I thank you this morning that I cannot control my tongue, but because of Christ, it can be controlled give you a moment to pray church Father, I thank you so much for the salvation that I know. I thank you so much, Lord, for the Savior that I know, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anyone this morning who's not ever made the decision, not yet made the decision to turn to Christ, place their faith in him, I pray this morning that they make that decision. Say, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's no question in my life about that. Lord, I understand this morning that Christ died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. And so this morning I put my faith in him and what he's accomplished on the cross, the blood he shed to cover my sins. 
that my sins might be forgiven, that I might know a new life in Christ and the possibility of his control in my life. Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that as we leave this morning, we leave rejoicing, knowing that we've done business with you and that you've done business with us. Father, help us to go this morning with awareness of our tongues, desiring that our speech would bring you honor and glory and would be encouraging to one another. And Lord, to know that as we've yielded our tongues to you, and there's a difference, it really does bring you honor and glory. Lord, thank you. Thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for being the answer to all the problems that we face. Thank you for the cross, which makes your answers possible and practical in our lives. Lord, help us this morning to bear these things in mind for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Zachary, you come, please. Lead us in a closing song. Let's stand together, please. We'll sing number 580, There Shall Be Showers of Blessing. Does the Lord bless our obedience? Amen. He does. He blesses our obedience. Praise God. I want you, uh, as we're singing this morning, think about his blessings and uh, pray. Uh, make the song a prayer. Make it worship. And, and maybe just pray silently, Lord, thank you for this blessing and this blessing and this blessing. And thank you for the blessings I can anticipate as I yield my tongue to you today and each day. All right, please do stand with me as we turn to number 580. We'll sing the first and the last of There Shall Be Showers of Blessing. be showers of blessing this is the promise above there shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above showers of blessing showers of blessing we need mercy drops round us are falling but for the showers we plead and the last there shall be showers of blessing oh that today they might fall now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. All right, let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. I pray that we would be doers of it this weekend and pray that you'd bring us back safely this evening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.